Hello and welcome to Misrepresented, the podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and my co-host... It's your girl, Alicia, a.k.a. Truth. And <laughs> we have a special guest. We do. Do you care to introduce yourself? Give us a little background of who you are. I'm, where blushing, you're I'm blushing already. I'm very nervous to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, <laughs> my name is Helen. I'm from Florida. Okay. Is that all you want to tell us? Hey, about what, 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 what else is there to say? <laughs> there will be a lot more to say at some point. We have a lot of things we're going to talk about today. Um, the first thing being a historic mayoral win in California uh, with Woo-hoo. our mayor elect Karen Bass. Yes, our first black female. female. Mayor. Correct. So uh, we've come a long way, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And I was looking at, I didn't get into the article, but I, I saw an article. The headline was The four largest major cities in the U.S. <clears throat> have a black mayor. We're getting somewhere. Who do you think we have to thank, George Floyd? No, we have the voters to thank. <laughs> and you already know my opinion on people in office does not equal change or representation. But I guess we can call it a start. See, we, we all know how, uh, how strongly we feel about that. Care to elaborate? It is a system that was built a particular way. It doesn't matter who's in a particular office. It matters who is in all of the office because they make the decisions together. So we do have a black female mayor but she has to work with the governor. She has to work with, mm-hmm. um, what is it? The, the city council and all of those people to make things happen. Um, you already know how I feel about our current city council. They're, they're going through it right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I think this is an opportunity to do some good, but so I, I don't know anything about her. I'm not a California voter to begin with. Um, so I, could you tell me a little bit about her? Like what, what are her qualifications? What has she done? Where does she come from? What does she stand on? Tell me about her. So she's, she's democratic. She started off doing social work um, and then obviously moved into um, politics. Um, I don't know too much about her personally. Um, besides that she's married with five kids. <laughs> um, she's black. <laughs> yeah, she's black. Well, yeah, that's, um, that's been stated. <laughs> she is black with like the whitest name. Do you think that that confused some um some some voters there? It confused me um, at first because like the, my introduction to her was on like her news interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was hearing her voice, and you know, I'm the type of person like I can tell a black voice. Right. Um, and I was like, this lady sounds black, but that can't be possible. Right. <laughs> With the name, right? Right. I and literally then, have a cousin. And then eventually does. I looked her up and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's a black woman. Yeah. So what do you think about her initiatives against homelessness? Do you think that like she'll actually be successful? Because I know she's gonna ruffle some flever some feathers. Especially uh, amongst the white community, seeing as she wants to move some of the homeless population into their communities. So, what are your thoughts on that? I know we're going to get tons and tons of pushback, especially from locations like West LA, Beverly Hills, Santa Monica. You know, I feel like in those places there are a lot of homeless people already. already. Yeah, that's what I was but they, but they still not in Beverly Hills. Well, well like okay, that. well, not in the neighborhoods, but in, in West that LA, zip code. not really. But Santa Monica, absolutely. But they have also cleaned up significantly compared to what you and I may have experienced within Santa Monica, Venice Beach. And I also want you to know that Santa Monica doesn't really have homeless people on the street like Venice Beach does. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I want to separate those two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what she's laid out is, you know, in her efforts, she plans to work with some of the programs that are already existing, which would be, um, 
I believe it's called confidence key, whatever government program. Um, but I think one of her major goals is to find places or properties for shelters that are already owned by the government, um, or finding property that can be used for housing. Um, and then obviously the mental health stuff being a huge focus on substance abuse. Um, but, and I think there's been talks already because, you know, it's like, how can we, you know, make people get, you know, the health services that they need when they're opposed to it. Right. Um, yeah. Which I'm of the opinion that <laughs> I think people who are in a mental health crisis yeah. are not capable to choose what's best for them. And in that situation, um, they should definitely be forced to get care. Just like, like, you're gonna put them in jail or you're going to get them. Right. And, and it's so interesting because I saw her, uh, well, at least some things when I was looking up, you know, what she was saying, she was talking about wanting to correct crime too. And I'm like, how can you like homelessness? Okay. You know, how are you going to tackle crime? It's a grand sweeping statement. You know, yeah, like, yeah I want to fix the homeless so problem I, too. But like, one thing how? about politicians that annoys me is that everyone has this grand gesture of just saying mm -hmm. that they can do all of these things that have not been done. <laughs> No efforts have been made to, you know, correct the issue. But when you when you really think about it, due to the corruptness of the government in the first place, when crack cocaine was entered into um, the neighborhoods of L.A. to fund a war, right? It has been terrible ever since. So I guess from her perspective of if you can create the problem, you can solve it. But... With fentanyl and with all of this stuff that's going on and, you know, the crisis of, of drugs, like, how? So I don't understand how she's going to do she's that. She's probably going to try to tackle it in a way that her predecessors have as well. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of assuming throwing money at it and, and getting more people involved. But I have a friend that lives in Venice Beach, and he specifically says that when he first moved there, he, he felt a lot more empathy towards the problem than he does now because he's seen he's seen the help that has been provided and he sees people choose consistently not to take that help and it's like at what point does it become you're just throwing money at something that isn't actually helping if they choose not to get help and like you were saying to force them how do you force them I think mental health, you can definitely, when it comes to mental health, there are people who are on the streets who are experiencing mental health crisis, mm -hmm. and yeah. they should definitely be detained and taken care of at, in a mental health solution, not putting them in jail. Because they don't yeah. have the mental capacity, really, to make a, a conscious and healthy decision. Now, when it comes to other people, there are people who are actually, you know, making the choice to be homeless. And I think for them, we're trying to figure out solutions like shelters, and they're like, Sure, like the shelter will give them a place to sleep, but it comes with so many rules and expectations that aren't really something they're willing to participate in. Mm -hmm. So, and then when it comes to like homelessness camps, like you're quote unquote cleaning up the streets, sure, they're not going to be on the actual beach, but they're not disappearing from being homeless. They're going to find another place to be. And so, in my mind, at there, it has to be a transitional period. We're not going to get people off the streets and we, there are a lot of places where you'll see like people are making encampments mm -hmm. so yeah. encampments exist place. i mean like really think about it in la to live rent free and it to stack all night nice. like <laughs> i'm like are they are, are we sleep and they woke yeah like, what's going on up over here let's buy a hammock and go hang it from a tree yeah. <laughs> right so my opinion is we need to find a way to make those communities create them as actual encampment communities mm -hmm. that we can, I wouldn't say control, but make them actual communities that are recognized mm -hmm. and then addressed as something that, you know, needs infrastructure as opposed to something that needs to be cleaned up. Quote what unquote. about, right. now this is just spitballing here, what about the cost of living? Do you think... Oh, she, it's so funny that you said that because I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because Karen Bass did say that her intention is to make the city affordable. Because if you can, I think that if you can make the city more affordable, you will have Less people choosing to sleep. That's a doors. part of her plan. Yeah, that's a part of her plan. But she wants that to. Sucks. She wants to create opportunity mm -hmm. by putting 
people in areas and like different zip codes, which I think is going to be different too educationally for certain people to have an advantage because Beverly Hills, um, they kind of X you out if you're not, you know, within, and I know that this is going to rustle feathers because rich people don't want you in their neighborhoods. Yeah. That's the reason why they came up with the zip code thing educationally anyway, was to keep, you know, their education, their education, and their secrets, their secrets, and to X everyone out. Well, to, to, And she wants to uh, bridge the way? What's the word? Bridge the gap. Bridge the kinda, gap. Kind of, you know, lump everybly together and exactly. spread the wealth. Now, now, I think, and I'm not even defending this, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. I guess from their perspective, they're like, well, we, quote unquote, worked to get here. We worked to get our kids this education. Why should a homeless person who literally does not work get the same amenities that did they work to get there did their privilege get them there at the end of the day all arguable don't care i I just i'm sorry but but give other people an equal opportunity and my whole thing is too many people do not have the equal opportunity the same opportunity that people in beverly hills do their schools are different their schools are fucking college campuses have you been no it looks like a college campus and it's a high school the amount of money that we bleed into the california lottery the amount of money that we bleed into taxes as poor people. are these public schools right in valerie hills yes they're not private schools they're public schools in Beverly Hills. it's a public school that's crazy so at the end of the day my whole thing is all public schools should be equal but it's not yeah it's, it's great that it should be it's not it's not equal how many homeless youth like like are there per capita i guess you would have to look that up yeah i know i do not know off the top of my head let me see if i can because i feel like i i feel like the the real like i don't think the kids are choosing to be and i don't think that people are choosing either and and this goes into conversations that i've had with you sidebar that talk about how it doesn't matter how educated I may be as a person, the level of opportunities that I have and the jobs that I get is not going to be the same for you mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. So I I have to work harder and smarter to get into those type of positions, whereas some people are just thrown those opportunities just because what they look like and where they come from. Because mm-hmm. it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's why we have so many leaders that don't have anything higher than a high school education running companies so how do you and can get away with it because they can because they're privileged how do you fix that what do you do about that what's the what are the steps that you take to get the kids get all the kids the same same chance how do you do that what karen bass is doing you think so yeah no i think at some point take away the option desegregate literally yeah yeah take away the option because Mm -hmm. It's too many people, you know, trying to control stuff. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's not fair. Like, it's just not. Well, if it offends them so much and they can afford it, why they can just send their kids to private It's okay. They They'll just to... white flight out of here. And that's okay. We're okay, okay with white that. flight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can, you know, white flight out of our go, we, you know, at this point. Because it's, 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 it's causing more harm than good. You sit up in your big, fancy, cushiony house with your millions of dollars that you don't share with anyone while people are starving and homeless on the street. All because you want to keep people out of your neighborhood. You want to call because a black person's walking down your street and they don't belong there. Do you think it's because of inherent, inherent prejudice or do you think that it's a fear of crime? I'm, I'm being serious. Like, homeless people do have a connotation with them. I know, but they also get scared when black people are just walking in a the neighborhood and they ain't homeless. I, I'm so, scared of them walking on the street. Ooh, period. they coming and breaking them out. Bitch, don't nobody want to know shit. I'm walking. Because <laughs> I can walk. But can't you, free can't you still argue that there are people that do want their shit? There are people that do want their shit. True. But the That's likelihood that they're always yeah, homeless. I'm not, and I wasn't suggesting. Or that they're mostly homeless is not, is not significant enough for that argument. Assumptions are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Assumptions gets people murdered. And most often, 
The Karens making the assumptions and the Kins making the assumptions has resulted in the death of an innocent person, despite what they look like. Y'all not ready because y'all getting quiet on me. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking at your computer. I feel like this conversation will never end if we keep <laughs> talking about all of the various factors mm -hmm. of, you know, what causes um, the segregation, even when it comes to school zoning and things like that. And I do think that racism plays a lot in that. And so I think forcing different people into those communities, as far as like in the education system, allowing people access to those education systems is important. Um, and building shelters or creating shelters and places where there is the space, regardless of whether people want them to be there or not, should happen. And the argument of there being an increase in crime or an increase in all that other stuff is, it's just, I think it's not a valid argument because one, there are people doing crime in Beverly Hills who live in those mansions. They just right. never get caught. So we can make assumptions on both ends at the end of the day. But right. the solution it's is like there's still criminals there. You have the white collar <laughs> and the blue. Like, which one are you? Okay. This is interesting. I just wanted to look this up um, about the, the race population breakdown of homelessness. And it's it, what it looks like here is it's about 40% black and 40% white. And then the rest is mixed up in there. And I'm, I'm, I was just curious to know. And this is LA, California, Los Angeles County. It doesn't give me a location. But it does say that um, black people make up 13% of the population, but 40% of the homeless population, which is very disproportionate. You would expect it to be equivalent if it was. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't give me a place here. So based on the study that I guess Karen Bass's team has done, 38% mm -hmm. in the city of Los Angeles, 38% are black, 33%. Um, Latino, 5% are veterans, 32% are women, 12% are children, and then 60% of the entire population of homeless people has been incarcerated at some point. Incarcerated at some point. 60? Mm -hmm. Yeah. March, March. But that's a, that's a whole other beast to tackle because, I mean, even people saying, oh, well, it's going to bring crime and like that, 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 but a lot of people, um, have done crime trying to get food to provide for their families. Like, if you really look at it statistically, besides like gangbangers, which I can go into how that was created and how that came about, I could still, it will still come back full <laughs> circle to the same people. So, at the end of the day, you know, fix what you broke. That's all I'm gonna say is fix what you broke. You terrorized this and caused this issue. Let it go. Stop harassing us and just, you know, no children and women should be on the street like that. That's just my personal opinion. I am also curious to know if, like, that um, incarceration rate is, like, I wish there was, like, a time period, like, before they were homeless, which, and then it led to being homeless, or they became homeless and then have, did something in order to survive and then became incarcerated, like, is there a cause and effect here or is it like um, a and, and you'll be surprised too there's a word for it and I'm spacing um and it starts with an R recidivism or recidivism oh. yeah yeah recidiv recidivism basically when you talk to a lot of people that have been incarcerated they've been incarcerated for a while because there's not enough of transitional housing when they get out and en enough resources for them and it's so hard they'll commit another crime to go back in yes. because they know where their next meal is going to yeah. be they know where they're you know where they're going to lay their hair at, at night they know what it's going to look like for them and you want so badly for that not to be true but, right, it, but it does it make sense and, and you know and it's like Especially if they have nobody on the outside. Right. But nobody that wants to if, see if it's not enough of like these issues and things like that happening to white people, nothing's going to change. Because in, in their mind, it's like, oh, well, it's just a criminal. You know, we're not doing enough to help 
the community just in general. Everybody is just coasting, like getting by saying, oh, you know, well, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. Well, whose problem is it? Because last I checked, inside of one of us is all of us. Now, there's some, a little more topic I just want to like brush on regarding homeless. Um, a lot of people come out of state to be homeless here because the weather is really nice, you know? They're like, I don't want to be homeless in Minnesota. It snows. So they come here. Where did you get, where did you hear that statistically? I, I don't, I don't know. I can look it up. Um, you can't just pull it out of the yang yang. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. And that's why homelessness happens more, more often in places like cities because there's access to more resources as opposed to in so rural areas. Swapping with homeless people too? It's pretty swampy down there, but yeah. It's, it's it's a lot sweatier in Florida than it is here. Okay. Well, I'll let uh, Terry take us away into the next segment because we'll live here rent free yeah. if you let us. We will. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get into the Grammys. Um, I don't know anything. <laughs> the American Grammys. I'm going to start calling it uh, the American Grammys from now on because technically the Grammys aren't even... American to begin with, I don't think. But no, that was the Oscars. Never mind. Take that back. But looking oh. at the nominations, I think it's very interesting to see who got more nominations than other people mm. and who got zero nominations. Is that right? He is. Okay. But I'm happy. So where do you want to start exactly? So let's start with I think Anita. I know you guys probably are not aware of who Lotto is. Or do you remember the song Big Energy? No. You don't. Mm-mm. Uh you have to sing it? <laughs> uh no, I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> insert insert clip of the song here in editing. No, we ain't doing it. Right. But um so it was a really big like pop rap song by a new female rap artist um, that was put into a category with other rap songs Mm -hmm. um, in the nomination part. So when you put up your song, like you say, I want to nominate my song for this category. And then, you know, the Grammy says, okay, we're going to nominate it in this category that you said. Or they're going to be like, no, actually, we think it belongs in this category. So we're going to put it in the running in that category. And so Nicki Minaj also had a song, um, and I for, I'm blanking on the name of the song, but it was a similar, you know, pop anthem rap song mm-hmm. um, that didn't get the nomination in the same category. And okay. so that caused an uproar, uproar on social media, specifically because Nicki Minaj called it out and, you know, mentioned the specific artist's name, which I guess they take offense to. Um, which I don't want to get into because, you know, that really doesn't matter. It's really about how the Grammys continues to decide. Or we don't even know who really decides where people get put in categories as far as... And there's a lot of racism that comes into play as well and, you know, influence. Mm-hmm. Because it's usually Caucasian people deciding which songs are considered rap, which songs are considered pop, which songs are considered mm. this. So if you're black, it's hip hop. They're just going to So they're deciding on show. something culturally they really have no grounds to. Where's the diversity in that, though? Who's do you, Have you looked into the research of how, like, what it takes to become in that position? It's very, they're all very similar to the Academy. Like, you know, they're all the same people and they have the same structure. We don't know who they are specifically, but they decide who gets nominated in certain categories and then they decide who who will win in those categories. Right. So as your so and the issue is for most people is being put in a category with people who are not, you know, people you should be competing with. And that doesn't really matter for like let's just say as it was being a pop song and being in the pop category with a song that Nicki Minaj made that's not really a pop song. It's a rap song. 
So it's like you're comparing two songs that aren't really comparable. Okay. And it is kind of just subjective. It's they decide because of what they prefer. It's not like, it's not most downloaded song of 2022. It's like, in this category, we like this one the best. Theoretically, that's how I assume that it happens. I don't like that at all. Because <laughs> even when it comes to like, people being nominated for artist of the year or song of the year or record of the year, it's not really based on I guess it's kind of based on numbers, but they don't say, oh, this is exactly what we judged and based off of. They never make that kind of information public. It's just, this is what the the Academy decided, so this is who won. And we don't really know exactly how they decided that, but it's pretty obvious when people who look a certain way are constantly mm-hmm. winning that there are other factors at play besides the music. And yet another conversation of racism. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and you see, I just was like, I'm not going to comment on this because it's, it's, it's the same conversation. It's the same conversation. It kind of gets a bit redundant and old. How do you diversify the academy? Like, it's a private institution. Like, what do you do? How do you exactly. Do just like, just like when segregation ended, uh-huh. right? And they decided to um, make the pools public and black people started going and the white people were pouring acids into the pools so that you know the black kids couldn't swim there and then they went on to make their own private pool houses to where you know they could choose who can come in and they would have ferris wheels and trains you know little train tracks for their kids to go to inside of these um pool places that are extravagant right Mm -hmm. just to keep black people out and it's like there's always been some something that they're doing to try to maintain a level of control in our stuff. Mm-hmm. So depressing. I, I'm just like, at what point, not a single point in my life, was I ever like, oh, we just need to be in our own realms. Like, like how can you sit and look at like a population of people and be like, we, we're not, we're different. Fear. I mean, statistically, a lot of black people will argue that segregation was better. And Mm -hmm. in some ways, in some instances, it was. Because at least we knew what we were getting. Because we we knew what we were getting. We had control (laughs) over, you know, know. the things like education. Like when our education was separate, we decided what the children learned and it was appropriate things. And it's ours. Right. And... Jesus. Yeah. So I think... I don't think it's moving towards segregation again. That's not the solution. Um, but it should be a happy medium still. And right now, when you make these private clubs to keep us out of the stuff that we are doing to make you money, because without us, y'all ain't going to be doing shit that's fun. And I'm not trying to be like rude or racist, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of true. Do you think it's- country music was created by black people? I don't care what you say. Run the history on that. Do you think it's sure. intentional rock. racism or do you think it's inherent? Like what became rock society. Sorry. What yeah. became rock music today? The Elvis Presley's that came from black people. Oh yeah. So can we start there? I'm sorry, no, what was you saying? <laughs> I just wanted to just get that out. Sorry, No, so so I was just curious if you think that like it's a bunch of white men up in a room saying we don't like black people, or do you think they're like we love black people, but but what we're gonna choose. <laughs> it's both. They are inherently racist and. Do you think they're intentionally, intentionally not choosing? Racist as well. They're intentionally not choosing because they do not like, or do you think they're like, oh well, we really like this like guy. They're just trying to maintain control. Of but even still, let's just say you That's you so have delicious. you have a bunch of seventy year old white men in a room looking right. at you know five different artists. They're looking at a Kendrick Lamar. They're looking at a. Um, Let's say Taylor Swift. Let's just say they're somehow in the same category for best album of the year. Um, And, you know, Drake and all of these people. And you think, who is a 70? Just like even if you think you give somebody a survey, you give them four names. Which are they going to pick the name they've heard before, not just someone they actually enjoy the music of. Right. Right. So it's like, I wouldn't say it's inherently racist in in the fact that they're in who they choose, but in the fact that they are the people deciding. Yeah. That's where they inherit it. 
bias is. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be uh, attacked and addressed and mm-hmm. resolved. Yeah, there are plenty of award shows that are based on stats and numbers. Yeah, popular vote mm-hmm. because the fans vote, let, and that's how they win. Let, let the people choose. Mm-hmm. I think that would probably be the thing. Too. Exactly. Same thing with like the Emmys, you know, or the Academy Award, whatever you want to call it. Um, we have black people boycotting for years because of the lack of representation. And our artistry not being as equally considered. Um, have you? And it's not that. Let's just make clear: we're not saying give us the awards. We want more transparency in who's deciding. Hundred percent. And the whole process needs to be a little more clear as to how it happens, and a little more fair as to how it happens. I agree. What about like um, uh, Latin and Asian people? Do you think that they are also getting the shit end of the stick, per se? Well, I don't know. I know that Bad Bunny is a bad bitch. He's a bad bitch. Um, <laughs> however, you know, I don't know very many uh, Asian artists that I can think of off the top of my head that has crossed over into this realm BTS is of, a, of American music and, and blew up. Now, Bad Bunny is on the list of nominations within America, and he is specifically choosing not to speak Spanish, and he's crossed over into this... And, into this, you know, side mm-hmm. of the music industry and has made it onto the Grammys and hopefully wins well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Good for him because he's able to maintain his cultural stances and still cross over here and make a difference. We love that. However, not very many people do that. Yeah. And it's not saying that we, you know, I hope, I don't think we're like discriminating or anything against that. It's just a matter of popularity at that, at that point. So do you think that that would prove or disprove the the assertion that the academy is racist i think it i think it would still prove simply because there it's more it's becoming more popular i think in the streaming age and the way that tiktok makes things globally viral Mm -hmm. and you know i definitely think that there was a concerted effort to make these different artists popular in America. And there was a demand. I feel like the demand is very recent for Spanish artists to be a part of uh, dominant culture that we would call pop culture that belongs to Black people who decide what that is. But, um, (laughs) and I think with the Cardi B's and the Bad Bunny's, this is, I think it's a little bit revolutionary in the fact that we're hearing songs more on the radio that we don't know. Well, me personally, I don't speak Spanish. But right. there are a lot of more just Spanish songs that are popular that people know that are on the radio in Spanish. I don't and know what K pop and all of this either. stuff. Right. I don't know what he'd be saying, but I'd be like, mm. and I ruin it every time. I don't even know what I'm saying, right? But it slaps. But the difference between Cardi B and Bad Bunny is Bad Bunny does not speak English ever. Mm-hmm. So like not, those artists that like Cardi B who are yeah, like transition or right. cross over back and forth who right. made it more mainstream to and be Spanish artists in America. And then there's all of the African artists mm-hmm. that are becoming, you know, more mainstream in the U.S., which I think Ooh, is great. But I think it's a result of as far as the reason that they are getting the shine is because it's profitable, not profitable, yeah. not because... What's well, the Despacito theory, you know? Like, right. like Despacito was a great song, and then they threw Justin Bieber on it, and it was so hot for a summer because they put Justin Bieber on it, and they made a ton of money. But the song was great by itself. He did not need to be on there misspeaking Spanish. And then Dorito <laughs> Dorito. Like, he's... <laughs> you ever see that video? He's like, I don't know the words, so I'm going to say Dorito. It's like, just sit down, boy. <laughs> But okay, are we running out of time? Is there anything else that we need to discuss? Anything we want to get off our chest? Yeah, what do we, what do we want to get off our chest? We have a special guest, so we'll let her get some things off her. No, the thing we have these conversations all the time, and I'm I'm. It's fun to go on the record about some of this. Cause okay, so then what's one of the topics? I don't know. I was literally just trying to think about it. Cause what were we talking about last night? What, which, which of the many things we were talking about last night? Because we had some great conversations last night. Being heard or people 
feeling like the goal of what we're trying to do as a country to get on the same page or move forward. Um, we were talking about, you know, the narrative, who controls the narrative, who, what the goal is as far as getting people to hear us. Um, that was one conversation. Oh, um, we, about Dahmer. Remember Dahmer? And then... Yes, so in the Jeffrey Dahmer with, show, without saying anything, why don't happened. you why don't you tell your perspective and then I'll 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 share what my perspective was. I almost show. feel like it's dangerous territory because I don't know how it is portrayed, like the way that. But from your perspective, watching it, when the preacher came yes. in, you made a comment. Can I you... I I did. We were sitting in bed and we were watching the show and it, and. This so the preacher and and his son I, th I think it was his son or his his assistant anyway it was, it was two men in a car and he's like we're we're gonna go after this guy because he's he is attacking like he's this refer to let them know who this guy is for those who didn't see it I don't understand you don't have to remember his name just he was a cop that didn't do his job and a 14 year old boy okay ended up losing his life because of it yes when there were black voices that were calling the police yes. multiple times yes to come save this boy and not only did they show up they released the 14 year old child back into the possession of jeffrey dahmer yes. because he said that it was his boyfriend right and you have and you have three black women on the stoop saying, "Hold on, he's bleeding from his head." Correct. Correct. And you release this fourteen-year-old boy back into the custody of the police because you respect the white man's voice over what the black lady has been calling you, telling you yes. that he was killing people yes. for months. So when we saw this part, I saw, I saw the preacher. But what I portrayed, I saw the preacher going to go after Dahmer as a racist. And I was like, that's not, I think that he was an opportunist. I think that he fetishized black and brown men. I think that he was attracted to them. He was a sick, horrific person. But I don't know if like the argument of him hating, I don't think he hated them. I think he had a weird sick. And so attacking him for that, I didn't think was, but this is also we're tangenting. But you can still see him as a racist when you choose to, as a white man, move into a black neighborhood where you knew that black voices would not be heard so that you can target specifically gay, black, and brown men to take back to your apartment and kill. I think he was a eat, monster, but I don't know. Because you knew that you would get away with it. I don't know if that's why he moved there. He well, didn't we have any care. money. We're not, we don't care about yeah. what he thought, how he felt. Correct. Don't give a fuck. Correct. I was really glad <laughs> when he got his head bashed the fuck in <laughs> I know. by a black man. You fell asleep. Now, though. for me personally, mm -hmm. you wanted to control the narrative. And I feel like this is a great conversation to have. You wanted to control the narrative in regards to the preacher because you felt that his way of going about it wasn't the correct way. And I feel like we should talk about it. And that. that's what we're, that's what, that's the aim that we're trying to talk about. So, so what I was trying to say is that I have been raised in such a way where, where, um, you know, my mom said the white man controls the world. And in order to get what you want from the white man, you have to play the white man's game. And that's shit. And we hate that, but it's still accurate to this day and you you, uh, you see me play the game and you don't like that I play the game sometimes but no I don't I oh this is another conversation that we'll have to have and invite her back because I ended up realizing that um specifically white women play the game of the white males game as well where they're told to shut up and smile and suck it up and be happy and all of these things that black women are not taught, we're like complete opposite. But we do tend to succumb and... But they move like that. And they are expected to, and they're frowned upon when they don't. And I didn't realize this <laughs> until a TikTok yeah. video. And I was like, wait, this is, I know this person. This I, person... I know. I think I'm a little bit more assertive than the, the, the next guy, but... I'm not into playing anyone's game 
but that's I'm not how, into appeasing anybody. I'm not. I wasn't born that way. I'm not going to start now. Sometimes that is that. Okay, so the way that playing we, their game is how you climb the fourteen-year-old boy. That's how you climb their ladder. That's just the cultural difference because white women are taught fragility, and they are protected as long as they are fragile white women. Black women are not viewed as fragile which is why we get they get the stereotype <laughs> angry black women because they were growing they were raised to believe that everything you're gonna get you're gonna have to work for it you're gonna have to fight for it there's gonna be some white man that's gonna try to such and such and such and such and you're gonna have to be strong you're gonna have to be independent you're gonna have to speak up for yourself no and it's never it. yeah it's never that oh if you do this and you do that and you sit like this and you act like that then you're going to be okay it was never that was never the narrative mm -hmm. so that's why there's a difference between oh if we just do this then we'll have this or things will go this way and it just has never been that way for i believe specifically for black women i think it's also different for black men which is why we are such freaking coons because oh. there's a <laughs> There, How dare you? A lot of black men are coons okay. because they suffer from a similar ideology that, you know, white women are close enough to white men that all they have to do is, you know, be fragile. Black men are men. They're close enough to white men and the fact that they're men, but if they can escape their blackness in some way, coonery, then they will be close enough to white men. <laughs> It's a new word for me. I never She can't even repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Sitting here bright red. What do you mean? <laughs> I uh, nope. That's a racial slur. So it is, I'm not you're not gonna get that. But anyway. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's so interesting and I think these conversations need to be had because I kind of got very, very defensive when she kept trying to, in my opinion, even though she disagrees with me, control the narrative. And I said, it doesn't matter what we say, they don't listen. And then right after I went on this tangent about how white people have ears that don't work. No. Um, <laughs> no, baby. The, the black lady who um, is a part of the LGBTQ community, I love her. Is she? She is. Oh, my God. Um, she basically you know, Dahmer's neighbor, I can't think of her name right now, but um, she basically went on to say the exact same it, thing. It was a paraphrase of what? The Alicia exact said. same thing that I had said, and I, I could have cried because I'm like, it really doesn't matter what black people say if you're not listening. It doesn't matter, you know, you only seem to understand when we're burning down your stores and your neighborhoods and your police stations because ultimately we don't own the shit. We don't own anything. Why? Because everything that we have owned, you have buried. So that's something I want to know. How do you get hurt? How do you get hurt? Without, without burning shit down. And I'm telling you that that's not the goal. The, Being not, hurt is not the goal. Not no more. We're done. Because We're you point. know, they know, they've heard, they don't want to listen at this point. Yeah, how many times do you expect us to talk, to tell the exact same sad song? Stop killing us. Stop killing us. How many times do I need to say this? To be terrible. And how many versions... It's replacing. not ours. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but we don't own shit. Why? Because it's like, the way that I see it is like the white man is still on our neck. Even though slavery is over, we built this country. It's the new on our blood, sweat, and tears, it is ours. I don't care what you say. Beating us, giving us that false fucking religion, all of that shit that has been given to us is bullshit yeah. and we know it and we still keep trying to conform to live in this world peacefully when we cannot and it's like so sad because i'm like so tired of it so what's the solution there is none at this point there is a solution but i i feel like it would be um what's the word when you betray no. your country um, yeah unpatriotic Right, because I think the way the way that America exists, if this is going to be solved, it can't. Oh the structure completely has to change. It can't be what it is. We should have abolished slavery when we founded this country. I think that that is one of the oh, but like that's the, the main thing that it's, if we hadn't started this slavery. country, there's still slavery. But that's if we hadn't started this country on that grounds, I think that we would be in a much happier place today. 
it's so we just nixed it as from the start the country right it's 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 the word when we started the country it's like the country was already going some some people right but it was the here. brits the brits had the slaves and if we the americans had started a country and said we're not going to have slaves i think that it would have evolved in in such a more productive and and cohesive manner i think it would be less less fighting and less I don't think so because there are certain countries where slavery ended a lot earlier, although it still existed, so it can't really be that comparable. But there are a lot of countries where slavery ended a lot earlier and they're more, um, I would say, a little bit more cohesive in their identity. Um, and I'm thinking of Latin countries and those kinds of countries where it did exist, but there's more of a unified identity. But anti-blackness is still a thing. It would yeah. always be a thing. And even if there wasn't, you know, slavery, there's still greed and corruption. And that's where it came from, which is why it took so long to get mm -hmm. rid of, because it was economical. Mm -hmm. And America would not be the great country that it is today if they didn't have all of that free labor. They would have never become the power that it is today without slavery so rich off our backs and we can't even get a goddamn dime i'm still waiting on my 40 acres on the mule exactly so i mean we we bear for the we cry for the bare minimum and that's why i get upset and 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 you know i apologize i'm not attacking but when there are certain groups that complain over comments it upsets me because it's like what do you mean? We still haven't even gotten what we got. You're talking about a genocide that happened so long ago. Oh, babe. <laughs> hey. Genocide is still happening today here. So can we focus on issues that are still issues and resolve those? You don't even know what happened during, during World War II in India. There was a massive die-off of, of Indian people that we don't even know about. That was almost equivalent to... The Holocaust. Okay, and there's still genocides, we don't know though. There's genocides happening in Africa. There's genocides still happening here. However you choose to see it, mm -hmm. there is, and I, and I have this conversation all the time where I say there's even lynchings that they're marking as suicides that are still taking place in this country. We just removed slavery off the ballot this year in some southern states. Like, really? Wait, what do you mean? Yes. What do you mean? Okay, here we go. So there were still some states, I think it was still on the ballot, like, I don't know what happened in those measures and what was decided, but there were a lot of states where there's like in the constitution that it is still possible to enslave people for crimes or something along those lines. What? That will change their state constitutions to prohibit slavery and involuntary servitude. They just got rid- what? <laughs> Louisiana voters rejected an anti-slavery ballot measure. What? Yeah, don't be sleep on this nation that we call so great. I'm just, I'm over here with like butterflies and hearts in my eyes <laughs> and I have rosy shades and like it ain't, yeah, it ain't pretty. It ain't. And I'm sorry. And that's why I'm like, uh, and it's not to like <laughs> make you experience any form of like white guilt, but just wake up. You know, that's the reason there's why. There's a I'm lot like, that I'm aware of. I'm like doing this. I know, but there's I'm a like, lot that I'm aware of. I just, and I don't, I don't, don't feel the white don't guilt. Don't feed into the lie is what I don't, the false narrative of. Do you think that once people know they'll do better, they know and they're not choosing to do better. That's not what they want to do, which is why there's no, let's listen, that, let's right. sit down, let's figure this out. Let's do that. Let's it's, do it's, this. They're burning up buildings and destroying shit. Let's pretend. Let's appease, let's pacify, which is why, and this is what gets me, this is what gets me, because when George Floyd's, um, and, and we'll wrap up with this, because I know we don't have much time, but when George Floyd's march, we were marching, we're talking about Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor, and you want to know how they pacified us? And this is what got me, because even people as big as Viola Davis didn't even see it as a pacification, but I did, right? Where Louisville, Kentucky passed it saying, hey, you know, you can no longer just, um, enter into people's place and do things like the, the way that they had did. They just did it for Louisville, Kentucky, not even the entire state. Just you still have no knock warrants yeah. in California. You have it everywhere but in Oregon. Why isn't it in Oregon? Because 97% of the population is white. The 90, the dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. So why is it that no one saw Breonna Taylor's um, initiative? Like everyone was out 
marching, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor, only for them to pacify us and say, oh, well, Louisville, Kentucky no longer has no knock warrants. Like there ain't 49 other states that, you know, and you only did it for the city. And black people were cheering, yay, we did something. We did, did we? Did we really do something? What did we do? When I could still have a no-knock warrant in my house, in my home in California. What did we do? That isn't that isn't gonna bring back Brianna Taylor. It's not gonna prevent the next guy from dying. You know, that justified or qualified immunity that police have that give them the right to kill people, because they're murderers. Right? That's not gonna bring back George Floyd. But what have we done to get rid of that? Black people, get insurance. I'm saying it. <laughs> get insurance, like dead serious. And I'm gonna end on that note because I can tell you right now, if you were to deal with Martin Luther King Jr. told you to do, and the reason why he was killed for it, we'll be in a much better place. So I said this last week and I'm gonna say it again. Get life insurance. <laughs> We're gonna have to get a sponsor from some life insurance. No, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like get life insurance because at the end of the day, if a police officer were to kill somebody that has some life insurance, you want to know who don't want to pay for life insurance. You want to know who get killed often? Black people by the police. I promise you, the police will be in jail because they have the best lawyers. It's not something pleasant to talk about or think about. You don't want to think about your own imminent demise, but it's it's. Think about your loved ones, because yeah. you don't want to leave them with absolutely nothing. And also, and we disproportionately, though, don't understand mm -hmm. life insurance if we don't have it. A lot of white people borrow against life insurance policies. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that, like, we are asleep on. And I'm like, if you would have just did what Martin Luther King Jr. said, do, and that's the reason why they took this man out, put the black dollar back into, you know, black businesses, right? Go to black banks. And get life insurance policies. Let's start there. So that's what I wanted to get off. Let's use chest. credit unions instead of banks. Just period. Well, you know, black credit union. Whatever. They're, they're, well, I don't know if there's a black credit union, but we have banks. Okay. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's enough. <laughs> talk Thank you guys day. so much for having me. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> Thank you so much. I for just being like to talk. You know? I like to discuss with y'all. So it's it's fun. Well, and we got into some nitty gritty. We definitely did. And we sparked some conversations. I still want to talk more about the Jeffrey Dahmer because I think that there's so much to be said there. There's a few things I want to talk about too. Yeah, we just brushed over it because we we're pressed for time. But we'll circle back. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely more episodes to come. Um, so thanks for listening, guys, to Misrepresented the Podcast.